This is Parent Them Successful with author and licensed educational psychologist, Jessica Shields. Your child no longer has to struggle. On this parenting podcast, we unravel the complexities of the education system, give insight into intervention services, and offer encouragement and tools alongside your parenting journey. It's time for your child to thrive. Welcome your host, LEP educator and mom of four, Jessica Shields. Hello and welcome parents to the Parent Them Successful podcast. Again, I'm so glad you're tuning in. If you think your child has a speech delay and their communication is not where they should be for their age, stick around to get strategies that can help them build language. So today I am interviewing Jane Simmons, a speech and language pathologist with over 40 years of experience working with children in the field. She has been a special education teacher for the communicatively handicapped students. She's taught disability-related college courses. She's worked with students with specific language impairments, aphasia, autism, and Down syndrome. And let me tell you, she has worked with students in a range of ages from three all the way through adult. And this includes those with mild, moderate, and severe or profound disabilities. So I'm telling you, this is a treat today. If you are tuning in right now, you are going to get a lot out of this topic. So welcome so much, Jane. Jane, welcome to the show. I'm so glad that you are here. How are you? I am doing great. And thank you, Jessica. I'm blessed to be here. Awesome. You know, This is a very important topic to talk about because I have to tell you the truth. I am hearing a lot of concern centered around the problem um, with having children who are not talking or meeting those developmental milestones. And so I just wanted to get some background from you. What have you heard or what are you hearing or noticing in regards to this problem that we're seeing more and more of? To tell you the truth, a lot of what I'm seeing or noticing is that our lives have become so busy that often talking to our children is not a priority. And we actually need to be talking to them, interacting with them using language from the day they're born. And so I see Often that families are so busy and they're just waiting and then, well, I'll talk, I'll have a conversation when my child can talk, but that's not how they learn. They need to learn by hearing at the very beginning and talking to them like they're going to answer (laughs) from the time they're tiny babies. You know, I'm glad you said that because honestly, it might feel a little weird talking to a baby, especially you know, say you're in a grocery store with your baby and you're talking to your baby, it might feel a little awkward, you know? So what would you have to say about that? I would say, you know what? It's you and your baby. Nobody else matters in that whole entire store. And if talking to your baby, just saying, you know, say you pick up bananas in the fruit department, whoop, there's some bananas. We're going to enjoy these monkeys eat bananas. And look, they're yellow dump them in the basket, move on to the next thing. 
And you know what? Self-conscious. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say it can feel a little um, un- unnatural, you know, because it almost feels like you're talking to yourself because you say they're not talking back, you know, so it's good that we have to stretch ourselves and to take that initiative because we are teaching them language. And And what I just heard you say is we're not just talking about, oh, let's get these bananas, put them in the basket. It sounded like you gave a little bit more description of, of the actions. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, often, especially let's say at the store when it's primarily food items that you're picking up, you could say, just two more things beyond the name of what the thing is, the bananas. We eat them and they're yellow. You know, those are two important things that we need to know about bananas. And um, that would be great. You know, you don't have to do a complete dissertation on each little food item you put in. But say, today I'm going to the store. I have my little 10-month-old with me. I am going to focus on colors. Oh, it's yellow bananas, red apples. Oh, look, it's a red can that our beans come in or, you know, just elaborating beyond the label. Right. I think that is important because I'm going to be honest, I go to the store and it's rare that I actually see or witness that level of engagement from a parent to their small child, even if it's a child that's like two or even three years old, a lot of times what I hear is just um, just kind of talking maybe to a spouse or someone else around the child, but not really directly talking and using specific language. And maybe even, hey, a, a command or a demand, hey, don't sit there, don't sit there, <laughs> yes. sit over here. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about that? Because I hear that's that's that sounds like it's something important we should know. Oh, my goodness. And you know what? I see when I go to the store, so many parents engaged with their phone and not engaged with their child that they have in right smack in front of them in the little mm-hmm. basket. And you know what? If it's if you're with your child, you have an opportunity to be alone with them. They're a captive audience. That's the time you should be talking beyond giving commands and stating expectations, but just chattering on, just giving them language, filling their mm-hmm. heads with language. They don't have to respond, but you are filling them with things that they're listening to and paying attention to. And you'll be surprised. I think any parent would be surprised when all of a sudden that's going to show up one day. Oh, mm-hmm. they'll name a banana or they'll say it's yellow. And that, I mean, it's just, they're taking it all in. Trust me, your kids are listening and they're looking to parents and caregivers to be filling them with this language so that they can give it back. Absolutely. And, you know, research proves over and over again that the receptive or the hearing and listening of language comes first before the expressive piece or the actual talking Um, the verbalization of it. So yeah, you're right. When we're pouring into them, all of this language, eventually one day we will hear it back, you know, in response to maybe a conversation. They might even just jump in and surprise us with certain words that they picked up. Absolutely. And I'm so glad you mentioned that because that was one of the things I wanted to be sure and say is that that receptive language 
always exceeds and comes before the expressive language. And if they're not getting any receptive language, then how are they going to produce the, the expressive part? Absolutely. And then if you think about not just this, you know, this social media or this tech age that we're in now, even think about the setbacks from being on lockdown for so long, you know, that the absolutely the opportunities to communicate have been hindered. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think, you know, we just went through 18 months or so of a really artificial situation. You know, hopefully we're not ever or our children will not ever have to go through that again. And I think rather than um, worry about that or dwell on that, let's just move ahead, start new, use those words, you know, just give your children every opportunity you can for quality communication. And I know you have such an extensive background with other types of developmental delays or disabilities, and I'm sure some parents are listening. They may have a child that might be on the spectrum or a child who has Down syndrome, et cetera. So I I understand that it's a little bit different as, as far as how those children develop. Is there any you know, hope or light at the end of the tunnel when it comes to communication for those kiddos? Oh, absolutely. I think that um, there's always light at the end of the tunnel. And the thing to keep in mind is that not everyone communicates the same way. They may need a communication board to be able to communicate. They may sign. They may use a combination of single words or two-word phrases and their communication board. We can't limit or expect every child to communicate the same way. And part of the job of your team at school is to work with parents and devise the best method for communication possible. I'm so glad you said that because I see a lot of frustration around that, especially if there is that speech delay as far as expressive language, verbalizing certain words. Mm-hmm. I hear people, I hear parents always say, I want my kid to talk. I want my kid to talk. I want more speech. I want my kid to talk. But it is so important that we understand that every child is definitely going to be able to communicate in a different way so that we can be more receptive to other options uh, so that we can be more open to other options as parents. And I don't know, I mean, for these parents who are so frustrated because their child may not be talking as much, I mean, what, what, what else can we give them? What, how else can we support? You know, you said, okay, we have these other options, you know, the communication board, which is kind of like the pictures, and, and some parents are frustrated with that. They, they want their kid to talk, Jane. <laughs> <laughs> I know they do. And that that is hard as parents. And sometimes I know we have to sort of grieve those expectations that we had for this little person and kind of adjust to what is happening now and what's the best way for them to learn. And again, like we said, you will be surprised. I can almost guarantee it that one day, some little word is going to pop out or some 
form of communication is going to happen that you never expected or thought would ever take place as long as you're patient and you don't let your anxiety transfer to your child because chances are they're trying really hard to communicate with you and and it's our job as professionals our job as parents to find the best way and it may not be what are we initially hoped for or dreamt of but hey if they're communicating then fantastic yeah I agree 100% and I do see I do see some of those success stories even with some of the parents that I work with and mm-hmm. you know every child has a different level of say a speech delay and I do see where some kids who are able to pick up that language and be able to express and maybe they may have some articulation errors in the beginning mm-hmm. but I I do see that success. I, I see the parents who are in the background working and uh, helping their child doing the homework, the speech homework, you know, mm-hmm. and I definitely see how their children are able to make progress. And then I also see those, like you just said, I see those who have a, a more severe developmental delays and who have to communicate in different ways. And I like that you said, be patient. Yes. And I know it's hard because, you know, we just can't help comparing, you know, and even amongst, um, say, the Down syndrome community, you know, one mom of a child with Down syndrome is comparing to what the next mom with a child with Down syndrome is doing. And you know what, we can't do that. We have to just not play that comparison game and just love and appreciate and teach our individual children the best way possible for them. And you say compare. And what about comparing to siblings? Because in my world, we say, we ask the question, did your child develop a typical compare to their siblings? So at some degree, we are comparing. But what I hear you saying is like, don't dwell on that. Right. And, you know, when you're looking at the developmental milestones and things, it is important to look at what the siblings did. And, you know, maybe they had a hint of a little delay as well. You know, I I just think that's fine in and of the information that it gives us that's useful. But beyond those initial information gathering types of events, then it's, it's not helpful to compare. Not helpful at all. Because I heard parents say, mm -hmm. you know, oh, why can't you do this like your brother Ben? Why can't you do this like your sister Susie? You know, no. Okay, every child is an individual created to be who they are. And we just have to help them be the best them that they can be. Absolutely. And speaking of the best, I know there are a lot of resources out there. So for instance, say someone listening has a two-year-old and they don't have any, uh, they don't have any other kids. It's their first child maybe. And maybe they have a few cousins to compare to, maybe not. But how, how would they go about understanding if there is a delay and then what would be their next steps to getting help? Because you know, a lot of People might tell them, oh, they'll grow out of it. Don't worry about it. 
But I know that that's not true. You know that that's not necessarily true. But what are the steps to getting early intervention? Well, the steps are initially to go to your neighborhood elementary school. If you have a suspicion that your little one is not developing their speech and languages as expected or as a typical child would, let's say, um, you can go to your neighborhood school and say, oh, here's my child. She's two years, six months old, not talking yet. Can you provide an assessment? And they will have the information for who to contact that will set up that assessment. In California right now, they have to be, a child needs to be two years, 10 months old before they're assessed. But if you have concerns before that, you can always call Inland Regional Center here in our area or whatever regional center in the state of California that's in your area. And they can do assessments even before that. And another thing, too, is to talk to your pediatrician, and there may be a possibility that your insurance will cover an assessment as well. Um, So there's lots of different avenues parents can take. Absolutely. And I know that, you know, my child also has those struggles. So that's one thing we did. Uh, As soon as he turned to I reached out to the pediatrician and she set it up right away. And so we were able to get those in-home services before we even got our assessment through the school district. So you want to have assessments on both ends, at the home side and the school side, everything. Absolutely. And for children, you know, obviously a child is born with Down syndrome. People know the second that they're born. And there should be someone contacting a mama and a dad um, right there in the hospital, uh, some kind of uh, social worker or someone who um, represents that department and Mm -hmm. should set up in-home services almost immediately. I mean, a lot of little ones start at six weeks, eight weeks old with their in-home programs. So, Wow, that's good information to know too. And I know that you have a lot of background working in your ministry and you've traveled overseas helping young children with developmental disabilities. Why don't you tell us about that? That sounds exciting. (laughs) It was exciting, all the many trips I've taken. And, you know, it's always so humbling because I come back and I always wanted to tell my moms at school, it's like, don't complain. Don't complain. Look at what all we have for you. Push. Be a mama bear. Insist on all the things that you know your child needs. But don't complain because it's available and possible for your child to get these things that kids in other countries, you know, I was in third world countries, pretty much. Mm-hmm. They don't, I mean, oh my goodness, they, <laughs> there's nothing for them. They're not educated. The services aren't available. Um, the equipment, wheelchairs and things like that wow. are also not available unless an organization brings them in, you know, so Oh my goodness. Yes. It's, it's always humbling to be in those situations. And you were able to travel to do some type of outreach, correct? Yes. Um, primarily the teams I was on were providing family retreats where families 
can come to a retreat center. They have activities for the children, the non-disabled siblings and the children with disabilities, or it may be a spouse or someone who's disabled themselves. Mm -hmm. And um, we're able to, well, I remember (laughs) one instance in um, one of the African countries I went to, we just dug through the trash. We found empty a juice container, an empty cracker container like this particular child who wasn't communicating needed, all kinds of different things that we found. We found the janitor found us a box that we cut up to make the board. And Mm -hmm. we made a communication board out of the stuff that was there. Wow. I mean, it's um, truly an exercise in creativity. (laughs) And you just see what's available. But oh my gosh, it gets then the parents and the people around them thinking, oh, okay, so if I can do this, then maybe for this other friend, we can do this. And, you know, it just, they they are so, there's just so little available and we have so much here. So, yes, we do. Yes, we do. And I just want to also thank you for writing the book. Yes, she has written a book and it is a very inspirational book. Hallelujah Moments, Finding Joy in the Journey. And it's really important for parents who have children, especially if the child has some type of speech delay or developmental delay, to help find joy in the journey. And we definitely need those reminders. And I appreciate people like you out here writing inf- writing books to help keep us encouraged. You know, it is very appreciative. And I've already gone through that book. So I know how valuable it is. Oh, <laughs> well, thank you. And that I think the way you stated it is so beautiful. We do need to find joy in the journey. The journey's hard. There's no doubt about it. It's mm-hmm. hard. And there's days as moms and dads, and caregivers that we just want to throw in the towel. But you know what? Look for that beautiful smile. Look for those sparkling eyes. Look for whatever brings you joy. And um, you can do it. You can make the journey. Absolutely. I appreciate that. And I do want to let parents know that the loving reminder for this episode is that all children develop at different rates. Yes. So just just keep being intentional and helping them to build their language skills and just be patient with them and yourself because they will make progress. Yes. And to seek out um Seek out moms and dads and caregivers that gather together, perhaps, and Mm -hmm. where you can compare notes and you can share with each other and encourage each other and uplift each other. Absolutely, because there's strength in numbers, you know, there's so much strength in numbers, especially when someone knows and can understand what you're going through. Oh, my gosh, yes. And I, I see that the parents of older children, you know, mentoring, that would be my dream, that they would be mentoring the parents of the little ones that are just coming up, you know, helping them see that there is light at the end of the tunnel. And as long as you give your child the opportunity to be the best little boy or the best little girl, the best grown up boy and the best grown up girl that they can be, then you've done your job. And they may never talk with words, but they'll be able to communicate in lots of other ways. And we know 
God designs each person with a purpose. Mm -hmm. So they have a purpose in life and it's our job to help them discover that and develop that. I love that. Absolutely. And for our parents, we do have resources. You know, I do have, and actually I do have a course in my Empower House Academy that specifically addresses how to communicate with your child, especially if they're struggling with a speech delay. And also Jane has a resource as well. And I will be adding that to our show notes. So you can click on that link and you will be able to access this free, this free resource. It's a download to help you engage with your child with more intention because communicating with them is has to be more intentional, especially in this time when we yeah. are so inundated with all this technology. And again, uh, last but not least, I want to make sure that you don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so that you don't miss any new episode alerts and make sure that you share, 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 because sharing is caring and you never know how a simple share could bless another family. So until next time, be blessed and love on your children. Thank you for listening to the Parent Them Successful with licensed educational psychologist, Jessica Shields. We're so glad you've joined us and would love to connect with you outside of the show. To find more information about our services, the Empower House Academy, or to take our quiz, What's Your Parenting Style? Go to StrongerMindStrongerYouth.com. Feel free to email us directly at info at StrongerMindStrongerYouth.com. We'd love to hear from you. Other ways to stay connected are on Instagram and Facebook by searching Stronger Mind, Stronger Youth and on Twitter at official underscore SMSY. Until next time, be well and love your children for they are a gift from the Lord.